Good afternoon. Um, I was drawn to give the reflection today um, by reading the lectionary passages and um, particularly the opening line of Isaiah 62. I will not keep silent. Also, there was a blank spot on the sign up sheet. It has been a struggle for me to finish writing this sermon. Um, there were many different directions I could go and editing is about choices and that is not my strong point. Anyway, I want to say as Mandy did last week um, that I have even more respect for those of you who regularly share the reflection. Um, Steve's gonna, my, um, Steve is just going to put some photos on the screen. Um, they're not professional photos, but hopefully they'll add a little bit to the message. The Isaiah passage um, speaks about the care God gives to the Israelites about being part of God's family. In this instance, God's devotion is compared to being in a loving marriage. It's about belonging to a being who delights in you and values you as much as a precious stone or crown. He says, you, meaning the people of Israel, have been called desolate and forsaken. Now you will be called my delight and your land married. And notice it was not just individuals that God wanted to love, but God wanted to bless the land with with good things as well. Instead of being left alone and desolate, God would be caring for the Israelites with the growing plants and trees from healthy soil and with abundant rain. The people would have what they needed to make a good life. They would be loved and cared for. Experiencing that love would be like a person holding a royal diadem in one's hand amazed at the beauty and wonder of it, of its many facets. Imagine God taking delight in seeing each of you who are listening today, each of you with your unique interests, experiences, thoughts, and ideas, and gifts. And there are so many sides to each of us also. God finds joy in our variety. God who values each of us for who we are, this God will hold you, will look upon you and know you, will give you attention and care, will love you and be with you through everything. That is some of what the steadfast love of God is about. It's not just a, gener a generous but distant relationship. Verse five repeats, uh, repeats the marriage metaphor. Your builder will marry you. God wants a close relationship with God's people. Psalm 36 is one I have tried to put to music, but I have not been able to finish it yet. <clears throat> the psalmist shares about a love going in a different direction. It is like a love song from a person to God. The love that is poured out seems to me to come from a new encounter with the great love of God. We don't know what form that encounter took, a still small voice, dreams or visions, 
being rescued from danger songs in the morning <clears throat> or just an awareness of God's presence and love. We don't know, but it made such a great impact that the author couldn't keep silent. The psalmist says, how precious is your steadfast love, O God. When I was in middle school and high school, the pastor at our, ch uh, our church was a very gentle older man. He would greet us with a handshake after the service. <clears throat> I think every Sunday he's used words something like, you are so precious, or you are precious in God's sight. I felt like laughing at his words almost. It seemed like something an older person would say. I was a critical teen, finding nearly everything laughable. The word precious wasn't used much in our everyday language. <clears throat> but inside, I did take his words to heart. I felt loved and acknowledged when the pastor said that. I was reminded that I was, I was unique and loved and known by God and by others in the congregation. Right now in our world, it may not seem to us like God is near. Why are we going through this pandemic? Why is it lasting so long? Hospitals are to capacity or beyond capacity. People are mourning lost loved ones. Isolation is causing many to become depressed and anxious. The situation keeps changing, which causes more anxiety. And where is God in all this? Questioning is a normal response to the situation of the last couple of years. You may have these thoughts or you may be feeling anger or rebellious thoughts toward God. Maybe you've been, been thinking or saying to God, how could you let this happen if you are such a loving God? I think a genuine experience of God usually comes when we are open and honest about a struggle. So if you are struggling now to hold on to faith, to keep, keep going, to keep caring for others, uh, lift that up to God. Pray and then watch and wait for an answer. Pay attention to nature and people around you. Where can you experience God? How is God working or speaking to you now? God is faithful and God's love is steady and reliable. I believe God is near, near us to comfort and protect. We can be reminded in these verses that God truly loves us with a deep and abiding love. Something else I want to notice in the Isaiah passage is that Isaiah speaks about Israel's vindication the nations will see your vindication, he says. God wants us, God wants to free us from guilt and condemnation from others. God is our redeemer. God wants others to see how much we are valued and loved. God wants our lives to flourish and be full of good things and God wants others to know about it. 
I'm reminded as I write about Rachel Stolpe's reflection about adoption a while back. Uh, having recently had our nephew Aaron with us, that experience is still in my mind. Steve and I might want to give Aaron a nice safe home, but he mostly just wants to be with his original family. <clears throat> that will always be a longing for him. The Israelites who went as captives to Babylon and then were able to return finally to their home country would have to learn how to live again as a loving family of God. They would have to build a new life in their land since so much was destroyed. They might spend much of their time longing for things the way they used to be. They might even unknowingly relive things the way they had experienced evil that was done to them. Perhaps God is saying through Isaiah that God will be with them and loving them through that whole healing process <clears throat> that's needed after being captives in a strange land. <clears throat> Isaiah and God wanted them to know that God really did care about their welfare, their state of mind, and their everyday lives through this whole process. Sorry, I didn't realize I would get so emotional. That God would not abandon them, would not leave them alone. God never did leave them alone. As long as they were called to God and turned to God, God would faith, faithfully be there to love God's people. I wonder what that means for us to be part of God's family, part of God's royalty. Can we be open enough to accept the kind of life God wants to give us? Are we willing to leave behind things and ways of being that are harmful to ourselves and others? Are we willing to let God heal us? Neurobiologists are learning a great deal about the human brain and what trauma does to the brain. If a person has experienced serious trauma, they may easily be triggered back to memories of that time. When triggered, the person operates in that fight, flight, or freeze mode. Um, and they're actually naming, um, calling some other modes that people operate. They're not operating with the rational thinking, planning part of their brain in the frontal cortex. Cortex. One thing besides, besides time and a peaceful environment that can help in the healing process is meditation. Meditation, it has been found, allows the mind to be more open and it trains the brain to stay in a more open state so that it doesn't go directly to the fight, flight, or freeze mode when triggered. Hopefully I'm describing the scientific stuff well enough. I'm obviously not a neurobiologist or a psychologist. But when we think about the gospel and about prayer, um, 
I think about being open to God. This can have an, a healing effect on our minds and our bodies. So back to the passages, what is our response to the great love of God? Isaiah at the beginning of the chapter says, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. It sounds like he is saying, I'm going to work for as long as I live to help the Israelites to understand the great love God has for them and the kind of good life God will give them. This love will be their vindication. It will show everyone around them of God's great salvation and love. The psalmist says, all people may take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. I think we need to be steadily walking with God to be open to, open to God in our life in order to experience the fountain of life. And to be part of God's light, we need to know God's ways. So scriptures are important. Um, perhaps the answer to my question, what is our response to God's great love? Is that we first need to be open to it. I wanted to talk about how we can share God's love and um, different attitudes when we do that and things like that. But um, I instead want, um, decided to focus on just um, being open to God's love and, and spending time with God, reading the Bible, meditating, praying. We need, we need to take the time to let God's love work in our lives. Uh, I'm speaking for myself here um, in a lot of ways. I know there are things I need to do with God more regularly. We may need to re-encounter this loving God in this time if our desire to share this love with others is um, is not fresh and vibrant. These scriptures remind us that God did, did break through into people's lives. God spoke to Isaiah and the psalmist to share a message of hope and reassurance and love. When we take the time to remember our, our baptisms, remember our first love, as Revelation puts it, times to let God speak to us, we will remember and encounter the abundant love of God. Then we can say we cannot keep silent. Thanks. <laughs>